What's up? This is the U-Roof Podcast. I'm Jason Louve, and my guest today should need no introduction. I'm talking to the internet pioneer, Are You Serious?, uh, who's been interested in virtual reality since uh, he ran the legendary magazine Mondo 2000 in the early 1990s, which proselytized for the liberatory potential of cyberspace and regularly focused on virtual reality. He's written for Wired, the San Francisco Examiner, Rolling Stone, Time, Esquire, and even ran for president under the banner of the Revolutionary Party in the 2000 election. Uh, are you? How are you? I'm good. How about yourself? Very good. So uh, I wanted to kick off by talking about um, the, kind of the early days of VR because you were, uh, you were you know, a firsthand witness for the last wave of virtual reality when uh, you know, there really was a sense that, that VR was going to be mass adopted kind of like in tandem with the web. And for various reasons that you know uh, didn't didn't fully manifest, and I'm kind of curious what that time was like, uh, what people were focused on, what uh, what the view of the future was, and and, and what people thought virtual reality was going to be like. Yeah, I mean it was a very peculiar time, um, particularly in the uh, early 1990s when people were um, holding conferences and and throwing parties about virtual reality, um, but there was really not much virtual reality to be had in the uh, sense of the word that uh, we're talking about it, the idea of a full immersion, uh, at least via the eyes, in a uh, digitized space. Um, there wasn't much of it going around. There was Jaron Lanier's system, which uh, was very hard to cart around and, and didn't get... Uh, shown very many places. Um, and then there was Eric Gullickson, um, who uh, started off working for, um, oh, I can't think of the name of the company in, in Sausalito, but started his own company, Sensate, and he could cart his thing around to uh, events. And, but but it, it didn't do much. I mean, you could, he, had a, he had a scenario where he could uh, enter a room and sort of fly up to the ceiling and then fly down towards a book um, on a uh, table. Uh, it was the psychedelic experience by Timothy Leary. Um, there was not much people could experience, but people were very excited by the notion of a sort of uh, an almost infinite uh, place to occupy with their imaginations. I, I think, uh, you know, there were. There was a feeling that um, everything uh, in terms of artistry, in terms of things that can really exalt and expand the, mag the imagination, that everything had been exhausted. Uh, all the mediums had been uh, used to their fullest. You know, uh, uh, surrealism had been tried. Psychedelic arts had been tried. Uh, even the, the physical world and, and physical arts and confrontational arts had been tried. Uh, and there, the feeling was that there wasn't much left to uh, blow our own minds with and, and to blow other people's minds with. And there was also this feeling that though we would be, uh, it would be a new form of communication in which uh, we would be able to share uh, quite literally the contents of our imaginations. And uh, the reality that uh, a lot of the people in that culture at that time were very smart and relatively benign 
um, made the idea that we could all share our imaginations seem like a good idea, <laughs> uh, which, you know, as, as, you know, we begin to uh, move through situations and scenarios where uh, we're dealing with a lot, uh, a greater variety of people and uh, seemingly a, a, a voluble increase in psychopathology anyway, um, this notion becomes a, a little bit less uh, friendly. But I did, this was a very optimistic time. This was, I mean, the Berlin Wall had just come down um, and it really was this, this incredibly optimistic moment. I mean, we'd been through punk. It wasn't like it was, you know, uh, we, we'd been through, you know, uh, repression and, and uh, Ronald Reagan. It, it wasn't like uh, it was Pollyanna-ish necessarily or, or completely naive. You know, it had, it had sort of a, a scratchy edge to it. But uh, generally, it was, it was kind of a, a, an optimistic moment. Um, but the technology really wasn't wasn't there to to meet it, um, and it, people were saying that, that we would have these uh, immersive VR environments in two, three, four years. Um, and I mean, the the really the only thing that happened that was available to some people was uh, a VR system that would uh, be in amusement parks where you know you could in in this system and, and play a game and I, I don't even know how good that was hmm. um, but uh, yeah I mean it, 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 it was supposed to be a real uh, world changer it was uh, uh, definitely um, seen as a uh, tool for for the psychedelic movement in a lot hmm. of ways as Timothy Leary and Terrence McKenna and people like that uh, pronouncing on it so it's fascinating that, um, uh, you know, the parallels you're drawing with the psychedelic movement and definitely when you, when you talked about the, the you know, the, the early days when there was a kind of inner circle trying it and then the hesitation about maybe, well, you use the word psychopathology and it, it sounds similar to acid, you know, it's like, is this really a good idea to give this to everybody? And of course, you know Timothy Leary was involved in in the early days of both the psychedelic movement and also virtual reality. Um, and uh, so, do, and and you drew a lot of very close parallels between those two things. Were those the terms you were you were thinking about it in at the time? Yeah, I mean, I I think that was that was kind of the thing that was going on. Now, I I started you know the High Frontier High Frontiers magazine, which uh, eventually led to uh, Monda two thousand. Um, around this idea of uh, counterculture hooked, hooked up to uh, radical technological and, and scientific change, um, um, psychedelic culture and so forth. Um, and, and, you know, what, what I had in mind at the time uh, was uh, technologies of abundance, technologies of post-scarcity. Um, now, this could be an abundance of uh, material wealth. It could be extended lifespans or uh, increased intelligence or expanded consciousness and so forth. Um, but, but that whole notion of, of an expanded and ex extended human experience was, was at the heart of what I did, what I was uh, trying to do when I started High Frontiers in 1984, which eventually turned into... Monda 2000 and 1989. Now, to me, um, 
Timothy Leary and Eric Gullickson uh, sent us an article for Reality Hackers um, titled Artificial Intelligence. Uh, they weren't even using the uh, name virtual reality at that time. And um, it was really based on some very early pioneering work by a guy named Myron Kruger. Um, and, you know, they were, they were kind of doing their very expansive sort of almost Crowleyan magical uh, read on uh, what could be... Uh, uh, evoked from uh, new digital worlds. You know, what, what, what was that? What, what, uh, what specifically did they mean by that? Yeah, it's hard to remember. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I don't have the article in, in front of me. Uh, but they were doing that, and then right around that same time, um, at the house, the house out of which we were, we were uh, publishing High Frontiers, uh, this uh, fellow with uh, long dreadlocks, uh, and a heavy set fellow with long dreadlocks was coming around to uh, court one of the women who uh, was living in our house. And his name was Darren Lanier. Um, and he was just getting started. And uh, the, uh, the woman uh, who was living there uh, told us that uh, Darren was the most brilliant guy in the world and that Timothy Leary had uh, said he was the most brilliant guy. And Jaron had said Timothy was the most brilliant guy. And, you know, there's this... Uh, love affair going going on there um so i mean this was really raw i mean this was really a gleam in, in people's eyes um and uh, to me it was just another thing i mean there was lots of strange people coming through uh some of them with real technologies and some of them with sort of uh, new age imaginations and imagined technologies and and for me it all sort of was blurring together. Uh, you know, people are coming around making all sorts of far out claims. Um, so I didn't get particularly excited about, about this notion immediately. Um, it was really the fact that it caught on um, and that other people were becoming excited about it uh, that uh, made uh, me want to dedicate the second issue of Monda 2000 to virtual reality. And then that became a huge media hype. It, uh, it caught the imaginations of people in mainstream newspapers and magazines and radio shows and, and so forth. Um, and again, nobody was really seeing it. Nobody was experiencing it. So, I mean, it, it was this uh, sort of, as, as virtual reality would hope to be at some point, we would hope it to be at some point, it was this fertile area for imagining and for conceptualizing and discussing what it means to have this uh, arena in which we can build worlds uh, eventually and share them with other people. And uh, what kind of worlds are those? Um, and who's privileged to, uh, to experience those worlds? And, and who isn't? And, and does this uh, uh, expand the... Uh, human imagination, does it increase empathy eventually or does it not? I mean, all these, these sort of uh, intellectual theoretical conversations started uh, taking place. It was very big with the, uh, with the theory community, if, if you know what I mean, sort of post-structuralist, post-modernist, uh, right. academic. Right. Like Baudrillard. Yeah, and the, yeah, yeah, right. 
because I mean they were already seeing that uh, life was being virtualized, and you know Baudrillard was already seeing that we were living in a simulacrum uh, of media without uh, much contact with with anything real in terms of how we thought about our lives and how we experienced our lives. And this was this was important to to Leary. Uh, I mean his whole rap was that we were already living in screened worlds. We were we were. Standing and we're sitting in front of the television, sucking it all in. I was actually going to bring that up because I have a copy of the uh, the Mondo 2000 User's Guide to the New Edge in front of me, and you have uh, Timothy okay. Leary quoted in here saying that um, that essentially Americans have been in virtual reality since the proliferation of television, and uh, you know, real VR is just going to make that interactive. But that essentially we've already been living in this you know falsified or or virtual reality. Right. Yeah, I mean, he wrote a, a, a piece called How I Became an Amphibian, uh, which basically, you know, you actually get inside the screen and start uh, wiggling around and, and being a uh, being, being, being a, a creature, uh, a virtual creature, a uh, non-physical creature uh, inside mediated space. Um, and so, I mean, this was kind of an, an embrace of uh, the fact that we are living largely in mediated space. I mean, you know, it, it would be, in a sense, a, a giving up on any notion that uh, we were going to uh, turn away from um, media. You know, uh, it would be sort of the opposite of a, a situationist uh, uh attitude or the opposite of, you know, hippies going out to uh, um, the country to uh, start communes and that sort of thing. It was like, well, this is, this is it. This is where we are. Hmm. And this is what we have to deal with. And this is what, and, and maybe this is natural to us. That's really um, fascinating. I, I want to maybe circle back to earlier, you had mentioned Jared Lanier, and he has, of course, um, you know, recently kind of, uh, uh, done a 180 on his original utopian views of the internet and he's you know famously said that the internet is uh, destroying the middle class or has destroyed the middle class yeah. and uh, you also wrote about that that same topic and and responded to that in uh, an article for the verge um yeah do you um now in uh, you know i also read in this in, in mondo 2000 you know i think there was a quote from you that says virtual reality is the first medium to come along that doesn't narrow the human spirit uh and do you think, do you still feel that way? Or do you think that, um, you know, the current wave of VR, especially now that uh, Facebook has acquired Oculus VR uh, and there's so much corporate money going into it, do you uh, still have the same utopian feeling about, about VR or, or perhaps not, or maybe somewhere in the middle? Yeah, well, I think, uh, I think probably John Barlow said that. I, I don't think I ever actually said that um, uh, okay okay um but um you know i i did like the idea that the vr was this very expansive uh, potentially is very ex expansive and expand expanded terrain for uh human imagination and human inter interaction i don't know if i took a utopian view of it at that time myself and i, I was always more angling for uh, a post-scarcity world um, in, in the real uh, material sense. 
um, than I was for uh, just new terrain for mediated imagination. So, so for me, it was it was part of it, and in some ways, it was it was a side trip. Uh, but it was a way uh, that seemed to be working that was drawing uh, imaginative, artistic, alternatively minded counterculture people into the world of technology uh, that many of them had rejected. And the, the myth of virtual reality uh, combined with, you know, the, the uh, existence of, of Mondo 2000 and the whole myth of smart drugs and, uh, you know, the, the emergence of uh, the raves into uh, the United States uh, as, as something that uh, identified itself somewhat with cyber culture and, and all that um, seemed to be creating a uh, movement, seemed to be creating an energy and virtual reality was part of that. And that's kind of why I uh, you know, was, was happy to be on that train. But to me, it was never the, the main ride. Um, but I mean, I think now, you know, it, it can't get much worse. Um, and, um, it, you know, it, it anything that uh, brings a little novelty into, uh, what people can do in media, uh, you know, as artists and as communicators and, and as a uh, combination of both, um, I think holds great promise. Because I mean, it's it's still the same thing. There's there's a feeling of uh, exhaustion uh, with uh, what uh, what we what we can do with with the prevailing mediums of, of the time. And I mean, there a lot of people uh, got an awful lot just out of out of Second Life, which was you know this this very this flat screen world. Or before that, with uh, you know the the uh, the moves and you know the the game spaces and so forth, the textual based game spaces. So I mean, it it's all more or less to the to the good. I think that uh, people have an opportunity to uh, experiment with uh, something where they can go into a, a virtual space uh, and uh, presumably, I, I know it's being used for gaming now. Um, I don't know if people are going to be able to build their own worlds and what the limitations are on that, but presumably they will be. It able seems to pretty do that. easy. I think I checked. There's a the, the main software is called Unity, and I just downloaded a, a trial version of it, and it seems, yeah. you know, not easy, but not terribly difficult for somebody who put the time in. So it seems like, it, and and the other thing is that um, there's going to be um, 360 degree cameras. So as those become cheaper it will be very easy for people probably to film 360 degree video. Yeah. Now I, I think, I mean, it, it, it's important that this escape Facebook. Um, but I, I know there are a whole bunch of different projects. Why is that so on. important that it, that it escaped Facebook? Well, I mean, Facebook really sort of took this infinite uh, expanse of, uh, you know, virtual, virtual land that was the uh, internet, that was the web, and, uh, you know, sucked everybody into their, their own mall, their own, their own scenario where, where there's, you know, a, a billion people uh, for whom uh, 
this is the internet world and, and this will be the world of their virtual reality and it, it's a it's a corporate dictatorship really um, I mean there's there's no uh, there's no First Amendment on Facebook in the you know I mean we're citizens of the United States and we're not citizens of Facebook so uh, you know they can they can apply any kind of rules uh, or regulations that they want so I need to escape that so I, I guess I mean one of the questions is I would have and I don't I don't really know if anybody has commented on this yet is uh, whether whether Facebook uh, bought the system as, as an app that uh, they would release, um, that they would profit from somehow, but that would not necessarily be confined to uh, operating through uh, actu the actual place, Facebook.com or, or some other place, you know, whether, whether it would be something that people can use uh, relatively freely or, or whether it actually has to operate, you know, through their website or or through some other website they design, and uh, that uh, you know, therefore it's subjected to uh, their concerns around profit and concerns about being reasonably friendly, uh, family friendly, and and that sort of thing. So I mean, now the the virtual reality that uh, we were dreaming. Uh, in the uh, 90s, early 90s, mid 90s, late 80s, uh, was really a wild and, and open space where uh, just about any uh, reality could be shared. And I mean, could be shared, theoretically, it could be shared harmlessly. I mean, that was, that was one of the theories that was going around then. I mean, you could have a war in virtual reality um, you could have a concentration camp, you could have torture, you could have stadium fantasies, you could have all these things. Um, and it uh, would be uh, at least materially um, harmless. Um, now, all that is subject to even even more uh, questioning or interrogation than, than it was then uh, because uh, uh, Everybody's livelihoods are, are online, and, and the nature of that will probably extend into whatever virtual realities we have, and, and also because you know people have their their sensitivities, and uh, yeah, now know, more than ever it seems. Yeah, yeah, and I you know there was a big thing in the early to mid '90s where a, a woman was virtually raped in a game. Right, right. And and there was a huge conflict and discussion about how awful or that that is or, or how seriously it should be taken or um, you know how whether people who you know somebody who feels themselves to be abused in that kind of virtual uh, situation should just move on or uh, whether whether this is a, a violation and I think I mean there, there, it's a real important legitimate question and the more we, we move our psyches into this area um, the, the scarier that may be and we're also already seeing uh, some some uh, beginnings of the ability to uh, actually take your put your brain put your mind into 
uh, virtual situations. And, and you begin to, to think about those cyberpunk fantasies where, you know, people have chips in their minds and uh, those chips can be, can be hacked and uh, used to torture somebody or turn them into a killer or, uh, you know, make them passive or, or, or what have you. So, I mean, you know, as virtual reality, however, you know, whether it, uh, you know, came into existence in the mid-90s or, or, or really starts to uh, fly uh, in the latter part of, of this decade, uh, brings us closer to, to all those kinds of uh, uh, dystopian concerns uh, that are so uh, prevailing in, in our science fiction, uh, which I can also say, only say is interesting at least, you know. And do you think that the potential for abuse is um, potentially lessened by the corporatization of virtual space? And that the, I mean, I, for instance, I was uh, talking to somebody yesterday about uh, about social media, and I, I made the comparison that uh, pre-Facebook internet was kind of like pre-Giuliani uh, pre Times Square, and post-Facebook yeah, internet right, is, right, is right. like post-Giuliani Times Square, and uh, a lot of the danger is gone, but it's very, very well Disneyfied, you know, or 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 Facebookified. Um, but do you think that uh, it seems to me like there's there's a you know a, a Faustian bargain to me to be made, perhaps that with the corporatization of this stuff, it proliferates quicker, uh, more people get access, uh, becomes more streamlined and uh, potentially more safe in a way, but at the at the expense of. A lot of the things you're talking about of, of openness and ability to try anything, and also, and of course, also carries the potential for surveillance and, and government interference. Yeah. So I don't know I, I, where I, to I, fall on that I, one. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think with the corporatization probably has a greater potential for surveillance and, and, and that sort of thing. So I mean, it's this eternal uh, push and pull between, uh, you know, uh, uh, Sort of, sort of an Orwellian-controlled uh, situation, and you know, a, a wild, uncontrolled situation. And you know, I, I remember, uh, I mean, Saint Jude, uh, who was my writing partner, um, you know, it, uh, uh, took the position that uh, uh, you know, uh, a woman complaining about being uh, virtually raped in a game should, you know, get over it. And that we need to toughen ourselves up so that we can have this absolute freedom in these virtual spaces. Um, you know that that uh, people need to be able to learn how to uh, play in a world of imagination that uh, may be dangerous, but it's not as dangerous as you know uh, having having bombs dropped on you or, or being attacked in, in the real world. And I do think that's really been complicated, uh, as I said before, by the fact that it, it, it's a financial world in there. And it's a, a criminal and law enforcement world in there now. And it's, uh, I mean, it was then too, but even more so. And it's a surveillance world in there. And it's, uh, it's everything, almost everything uh, we uh, don't like about the real world, you know, with, with the exception that uh, nobody can actually physically reach out and, you know, shoot you uh, there. Uh, but they can probably use the medium to find a way to reach out and shoot you. So, 
Um, I, I think uh, just the degree to which all the business, and I do mean business of you know uh, the human society right now, is in there, and I don't think virtual reality will end up forming an exception to to that rule. So I mean, when when we were fantasizing about virtual reality, we were fantasizing about it uh, and imagining about it in a uh, utterly non-commercial space. I mean, there was never any agreement that uh, you know. I mean, aside from from companies like AOL or uh, um, CompuServe or or the Well or whatever, you know, running a business that let you get on there and get online. So were there kind of corporate interests or suits hovering around the edges of, of your work at the time or VR at the time? I mean, were people kind of sniffing it out for uh, money yeah. potential? Yep. Yes, I mean, obviously, uh, VPL, Jaren's uh, organization had, uh, you know, capitalization. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the business world was paying attention to it. It was getting write-ups in uh, Wall Street Journal and, and Forbes, and people were, you know, groping around trying to figure out how they would be able to uh, capitalize on this. Uh, but I mean, the, the internet itself had not been commercialized. Um, and I don't think people really knew quite how uh, all this was going to work out how it's going to take place you know they didn't know that we we're going to get to the point where in many cases you can't even uh, do business without going online and, and paying for something online you're going to have your banks online and you can't you can't not have your banking records online now um, so I mean it was it was it was pretty much a completely uncommercial uncommercialized space um, the net at that time. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, uh, I don't think people really had a clear sense of, of how um, it could be commercialized, which aside from bandwidth may be one of the things that uh, slowed down its, its development. Mm, fascinating. Well, now, I mean, we've got Facebook throwing $2 billion at Oculus and Google Ventures throwing $20 million at Jaunt, which is the startup that's creating cameras to 360-degree cameras. And it seems like with that amount of money being floated around, um, it seems a, a fair bet that they figured out how to capitalize on it. And I'm not sure exactly. I don't think anyone knows exactly what Facebook is going to do, but it seems fairly, I mean, it would be an, an, uh, an easy guess at least to think that there will be a VR version of Facebook, um, which sounds questionable to me um <laughs> you know um but uh and and obviously you know some of the points you bring up especially with you know the famous um the the i forget the name of the case but the the woman who was uh, uh raped in a uh or experienced a, a textual simulation of rape in um uh a mush i think you know a, a text text-based right. virtual reality um you know those those you know, I don't know if you followed uh, the whole Gamergate uh, incident that went down a few weeks ago or a month ago. Um, no, I don't think so. There was um, a there was a woman named Anita Sarkeesian who uh, does YouTube's uh, criticizing uh, sexism in in the gaming community, and uh, right. and 
you know, when women go online, even, you know, in Halo or Call of Duty, or they play uh, multiplayer uh, video games, which are not quite virtual reality, you know, they're constantly barraged with, with um, you know, sexist language or, or rape threats. Uh, and, uh, you know, she had been very critical of this and then started getting, um, you know, a uh, uh, huge outrage, you know, uh, uh, huge numbers of, of outraged people, uh, male gamers, young male gamers on uh, Reddit and Twitter and started getting, um, you know, very uh, specific uh, uh, rape threats and death threats with her, her home address and had to leave her home. And it was an incredible, uh, a huge um, scandal. Um, and, you know, that is, you know, that seems to be to some extent the reality uh, even with multiplayer uh, video games. And, and uh, so it's, 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 it's it's going to be very tricky to to navigate those waters in virtual reality. Yeah, I mean, I I think you're absolutely right. So I mean, uh, you know, a lot of that uh, idealism of, of the early '90s really really was naive. I mean, yeah, there there are an awful lot of people out there who are uh, very hard to deal with. Uh, really, really don't want to hear what they have to say or or or, or see what they see, you know, or, or, you know, experience the contents of, of their imagination. Um, there's, there's an awful lot to be ironed out there. I have, I mean, that brings, brings me to uh, a, a discourse or, or discussion that is sort of outside the realm of uh, virtual reality, uh, which if you have a uh, society, if you have a system that is uh, excessively competitive and uh, internationally violent, um, you know, you have a, a, a you know sort of global system of global capitalism, neoliberalism, and so forth that that just hasn't ironed out. Uh, on the actual physical material stage of the world, uh, its own violence and its own inhumanity, and uh, uh, you know the the dominationalist tendencies, the patriarchy, and you know all uh, all the different forms of domination, um, it's not going to be healed or or cured or, or made wonderful. Uh, because people get really good communication systems. Um, all the dissatisfaction and ugliness uh, that uh, people are carrying with them uh, through these times, uh, through, the, through the challenges of uh, you know, uh, economic austerity and, and uh, wars and, uh, and you know, a, a feeling of, uh, of not that many people have of not really having a uh, place in, in this world and, and much to look forward to. All, all those things carry over into cyberspace. Um, that's at least one of the reasons why you get a lot of nasty little boys. You know, some of, some of them, you know, 70 or 80 years old um, in, in, in this sort of environment. It's, 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 it's a sick society. Um, and so, I mean, it, this this idea that uh, it, it was going to be absolutely sort of cured or, or healed by uh, 
virtualization by by you know virtual reality uh, would never something that that I completely embraced. I, I always thought you had to to resolve a lot of the broader societal problems at the same time. What do you think the the biggest hopes for doing that would be? Uh, well, I mean that's a whole you know. <laughs> <laughs> Not to go off on another, but you know that could be hours. Yeah, I mean that's, conversation, but that's that's hours. Uh, you know. Um, yeah, um, I mean, we, we need to have a uh, less, uh, well, we, I think we need to be more honest about the uh, violence that's inherent in our politics, in, in our economics, at least, um, so that we can understand how that filters down into uh, you know, everything from uh, school shootings to uh, Angry, angry young men on on the internet who uh, want to uh, want to find somebody to hate who uh, isn't more powerful than than them. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, to bring that back to to bring that back to VR, uh, last week I saw uh, a woman named Noni de la Pena speak, who is a um, uh, she calls herself an immersive journalist or her field immersive journalism. And she's been using first Second Life, but then early Oculus prototypes and now, uh, you know, cre creating worlds in Unity for the, for the Oculus to do, um, to essentially put people in, you know, to create immersive journalism experiences that put people in rough situations. For instance, she did a, um, a Guantanamo Bay simulator where you're, uh, you know, stuck in, in, in Guantanamo being being roughed up. Uh, she did one called Hunger in Los Angeles where you're you virtually experience being in a um, like a food line in Koreatown in LA and the guy in front of you goes into a shock from not um, or goes into a diabetic coma from from not getting food soon enough and then you've got to deal with that in virtual space. I think she did one of um, that even puts you in the place of being, uh, this is a real case of a guy who was uh, detained by the Border Patrol for stealing food for his wife, I think, and then ended up being being beaten to death by the Border Patrol to cover up something or other. I think to cover up that they, they had roughed him up in the first place, they beat him to death. Um, not that that's funny, obviously, but but it's you know, the irony of these things. Um, and... Um, so she's working on, on you know, she is, is one person who sees the potential of VR to uh, at least, you know, show people or in inculcate a sense of empathy for others, uh, which would be the opposite of using VR for, you know, more first-person shooters or Halo 15, for instance. Um, I don't know if, you've got, if, if people were working on that type of stuff in the first wave of VR or if you've come across stuff like that um, recently. And, and what you think of the, the potential of uses like that. Absolutely, there was a lot of discussion of that. Now, I don't know if people were working on it or not uh, specifically or, or in what context they would have been able to uh, work on it at that time. But, I mean, kind of reminds me of the uh, Sim game, only uh, much more up close and, and personal and instead of, uh, you know, uh, designing, uh, governing over... A, a world in the abstract, you're actually dealing with with situations. Um, I think, yeah, people were definitely uh, 
interested in that sort of thing. And if, if you read the literature from the early 90s, you would definitely find people uh, uh, writing up concepts of, of that sort. Um, so, but, but I can't really say anything about anything specific. I mean, for one thing, the technology wasn't, wasn't, wasn't there at the time. But I, I imagine people were doing that in game spaces and so forth and performance art. Um, sounds like a great project, um, but I don't think I'm, I don't say this is a criticism, but it's not really in a super original idea. So I, I imagine okay. uh, people were doing something, things like that. Were there any other, I'm, I'm very curious about some of the more um, uh, utopian or, or idealistic uh, ideas that people had come up with uh, for using VR. That maybe maybe didn't get implemented because uh, because of the technology limitations. Yeah, I mean, I'm basically, I it's hard because it was all very um, sort of broad stroke at the time. You know, I mean, it was it was really just the idea that people would be able to go into these really imaginative places. They could they could go into Alice in Wonderland worlds. They could go into Salvador Dali paintings. Um, uh, they could form communities and spend great deals, you know, great uh, moments of their life in, in spaces that uh, seemed pleasant to, to their senses. You know, people were talking about, ex you know, you, you could, you could uh, affect the sense of sound and the sense of, sense of sight, and maybe eventually people were talking about how you could uh, incorporate the sense of now in the sense of touch, uh, even back then, to uh, create uh, uh, more fully uh, uh, immersive experiences. But you know, I, I can't really say anything about you know somebody was going to build a perfect world in virtual reality or or anything like that, and everybody would get to live there. I don't, I don't think anybody was putting forth that. That idea. So it's, it was more the abstract idea that uh, um, you can have these really imaginative situations that you can play around in uh, that it would increase people's sense of play um, and uh, increase people's understanding and empathy of each other. Um, I mean, Terrence McKenna was uh, his line was um, when when you're talking to somebody and you say, "See what I mean." Um, but they don't see what you mean. But uh, with virtual reality, you can actually make them see what you mean, literally. Mm. Um, so, I mean, that, that was one kind of bit of uh, idealistic thinking. Mm. Uh, that I'm sure, I mean, this is still true for, for people who uh, would want to use it uh, in that way, mm. or will be true. Well, let me ask you this. If you could sit down with... Um, the the people who are currently at the you know essentially at the controlling head of the current um, incarnation of VR uh, you know Palmer Lucky who's I think still 21 <laughs> is the head of Oculus VR and it's yet to be seen if uh, if uh, he'll become the next Mark Zuckerberg or not um, uh, you know him and his and John Carmack the creator of Doom is the chief technical officer of of, uh, of um, 
Oculus VR and the you know the people who are working on the new version of Sony or you know even even the heads of Facebook, um, if you could sit down with them and give them guiding thoughts on what to do and what not to do with this wave, what would you what would you tell them? Yeah, well, I mean, I, the one thing I would I would kind of emphasize is to not produce a, a situation where people only have certain uh, pre-existing uh, environments or elements of environments that they can use to create new environments. Uh, you know, I, if it's absolutely necessary in the early iterations of this system uh, to have, you know, to, to give people the pieces to work with in which to uh, build worlds, uh, then make them really imaginative and strange and, and crazy, you know, and bring in, bring in artists like, I don't know, Jodorowsky or, you know, Terry uh, uh, Gilliam and people, people who, you know, uh, work with visionary and surrealist art and, and like that, so that there are, uh, so that the opportunity exists to uh, create environments that don't just sort of reflect the uh, world that that we're accustomed to. I mean, it's almost like if you look at uh, what what goes on with music videos now, uh, where you you know, used to have the popularity of, of music videos, uh, you know, created for the people like uh, Diva or Nine Inch Nails uh, uh, that were really imaginative. And, and, and now the pop cultural world is uh, this very conservative uh, sort of Katy Perry uh, world, and, you know. Uh, and it's, it's frightening to uh, think that uh, younger people creating virtual reality might want to create something that is uh, reflective of, of something very, very banal um, and might not be inclined to think about doing things like creating worlds or, or uh, creating the opportunities to create worlds and scenarios that are um, Highly imaginative and, and, and that don't simply uh, reflect, you know, uh, how much uh, wealth you can show off or, or you know, how much sex you can get or whatever. Hmm. If that makes any sense. Yeah, so basically, I mean, to, to, uh, you're suggesting don't make it a controlled environment, essentially, and, and allow people to. Uh, is, is it more don't make it a controlled environment or just, you know, Make sure that creative people are working in it, and that are. I think that's it. Make sure creative people are working in it, and that you know, uh, I don't know. Don't trust anybody under thirty. Um, you know, talk to some older people who have uh, uh, a different experience of uh, mainstream or semi-mainstream culture than uh, the one that people have, that than the one that people are, are coming into now. I mean, it, it's certainly shocking how, you know, uh, uh, sterilized things have become uh, you yeah. know, post night. Well, on the other hand, on the other hand, the TV has gotten better. But, uh, <laughs> definitely, definitely. 
Well, hopefully there will be the, uh, we'll, we'll see the, uh, the Breaking Bad or True Detective of, of VR at some point. But the, yeah, sure. The, the, the only time that I, I to, to your, your point about, you know, pop stuff, the, the, uh, the demo I got of the Oculus was of an incredibly boring uh, English electronic band of, you know, 21-year-olds or something like that. And uh, it was extremely corporatized and boring. And, and it was the, the VR experience. My first VR experience was of standing on a stage at a festival in the UK as if I was in the band and staring out at the audience and everyone in the audience just had their cell phones up videoing the stage. And I was like, Oh oh no, (laughs) this is what I try to avoid in real life. You know, I don't want the virtual experience of this, but well, um, well, I think that probably, I mean, definitely thank you for, for uh, talking to me and, and, uh, and passing all that on. Yeah. Yeah. That was fun.